97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Who set it up in the Philadelphia zone? Right point shot, breaking his stick on that was Scott Mayfield in Philadelphia, headed the other way. Mayfield without a stick. Kevin Hayes weaves his way in to the left circle, forced behind it in. A centering pass coming in late. Here's the shot, they score! Ivan Provorov ends it! He goes far down, and the Flyers, for the first time in their history, have won three overtime games in the same playoff series. There will be a game seven on Saturday. Heard right here on 97.3 ESPN last night. Not one, but two overtimes. We were all losing our minds, but the Philadelphia Flyers have advanced to game seven tomorrow night. Of course, you can hear it right here on 97.3 ESPN. Josh Hedding filling in for Mike Gill, along with Hunter Brody. How long did it take for your adrenaline to wear off after that game winner? It didn't help that I had a late night coffee at around 10 o'clock. So I stared at the ceiling until about 4.15, 4.30 in the morning, watched the condensed highlights for about, I don't know, three hours after the game. Oh, it was insanity. That was unbelievable. I was freaking out. I don't know what was more incredible last night. We'll get into it today here on the Sports Bash. We got Kevin Durson coming up at 3.15. The PT for Happy Hour Friday coming up at 5.30. I know that Ivan Provorov won the game. By the way, it's the second time he's done that now in overtime. He gets in that angle on the slot and gets that shot on net. The Flyers won that game last night because of one man. Carter Hart played like a god in the overtime rounds. I mean, it was incredible. Everything he did turned up gold in the overtime. And he literally had this mentality where it was like, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. I'm going to outdo you. And I'm, I was telling Kevin Durso last night, I said, I'm sorry, but every time I watch Carter Hart, I keep thinking of one guy. The Flyers have the 2020 version of Martin Brodeur in net. It's insane. It's the difference maker, and we've been talking about this for years now when we brought in Brizgalov, when we brought in all these netminders. You need a legit tender. You need someone that you can rely on, and it's kind of hard to say he steals you a game when you win the game 5-4 in double overtime because four goals is a lot. Normally, you say that when you win one nothing or 2-1, to one, but for him to make 49 saves, it was incredible. You can look at this Flyers team. Here's the thing. There's so many things that piss you off when you watch this Flyers team. Whether it's Elaine Vigneault making a decision to challenge another horrendous play, which resulted in a power play for the Islanders, which they scored on. Whether it's the Flyers' power play alone, it's past the point of frustrating watching that power play. It's vomit-worthy. It's disgusting. I can't stand it. It's just gross. It's hard to believe that they're even still in this series with how bad this power play has been. The lack of shots. Travis Sanheim's turnover heading into the third period. I mean, you can go on and on and on with how much this team makes you want to go bald and rip your hair out. Yet they keep winning. Yet they find ways to win. It it doesn't add up. I'm lost. It starts with the goaltender, though. It and, does. And, that, and that's really what the linchpin is. 
You are not in this. And this is why we always say the goaltender is so important. Listen, teams like the Kings never win cups if it isn't for a goaltender. The Buffalo Sabres don't go blow for blow with the Dallas Stars 21 years ago if it wasn't for Dominic Hasek, right? The Devils won all those cups because of Martin Brodeur. Half of that, half that Devils team wasn't even as good as people like to think they are, actually. It was Martin Brodeur. It was the goaltender. Patrick Waugh won cups with multiple franchises, right? So the goaltender starts everything, and the Flyers finally have that guy. And, you know, as Kevin Weeks said on NHL Network last night, he said, when you have the goaltender, it changes everything. And again, I know the heartwarming story today is Oscar Limblom out there, which shocked the heck out of me. You were texting me, Limblom's in there, you know, and I was like, oh my, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, because I asked you during five questions yesterday at the end of the show, is Limblom going to be in? And you said no. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'd probably go down that road as well if I was asked that. But I was just as shocked as anybody else. How phenomenal is that story? Oh my gosh. I mean, Limblom is just, I, I'm just happy he was out there. But you know what? Despite Limblom, despite Provorov, it starts to meet with Carter Hart. Because if it wasn't for that guy, you're not getting, just not going to Game 7. You're not going to Game 6. You're not even in this round. I mean, how many times this guy... I mean, his pad work is incredible. He places his pads almost perfectly on the angle of attack. I mean, I'm watching him save after save after save. There was one point they showed the stat on the television... It, it, the Islanders had double the shots on goal than the Flyers. I think that was in the first overtime. It was somewhere around, or it might have been the second overtime, 50 to 20. Or it, it might have been the, it was either it was the like first 50 or 22 or something yeah, like that. 50 to 22. They would double the amount of shots. I was just in awe. I was like, this is incredible. And at that point, like, because you know, sometimes you're watching a game and you're just kind of, there's part of you that wants it to be over. There's another part of you that's like, I want to see what else this guy can do. I was watching the TV. I was standing two feet from my TV with my arms crossed. And I, it, honestly, it was like tennis where my head's just going left, right, left, right. I couldn't I couldn't sit. Then it goes to commercial. Or actually, they were very limited in commercial breaks during the overtime periods. I'm just pacing around during each puck drop. If there was a stoppage of play, I'm walking just around my basement. I could not sit down. And I actually tweeted this out. Th- this was a moment that we need to appreciate. Like, we... Missed out on those type of moments throughout quarantine when sports were not in play anymore. That gut feeling where you're nervous, but you're excited, but you're loving it. The intensity of the game, smiling, but you're also crying inside because you don't want to lose. That that feeling that is just anxiousness. It was involved throughout both periods, and we've missed that for so long. It's a love-hate relationship without a doubt, but we missed it. We were fainting for it, and we got a bit of it, and it tastes that much sweeter when you come out on top and you force a Game 7, which will be played Saturday at 7.30. Right here on 97.3 ESPN. Also, the Phillies won yesterday again. How about them apples? I mean, Alec Bohm gets the sack fly game winner. Not only that, he had three hits in the game. Three hits in the game. I mean, and one of them was late, two strikes, uses the entire field. It's incredible. So we got a lot to get to. Flyers, Phillies, NBA playoffs. I mean, OG Ewanobi. Who'd have thunk? That guy. That guy got the game winner on the most improbable play I've ever seen in a basketball game. I mean, you had Taco Fall guarding the inbounds play, seven foot seven over a guy who he's a foot and a half taller than. Perfect pass to the corner. 
OG shoots the shot, makes it game winner. Raptors are still alive in their series. No reaction either after the shot. And the one thing cold I, as I know, right? Ice. I know. Kyle Lowry was the meme of the night after that with his big smile hugging him. <laughs> I did think it was funny though, because after the game, all the tweets I saw was, "Wow, Taco Fall was minus three in in a, in a half a second. Seriously, that was his stat line after the game, right? Minus three in half a second. That's pretty hard to do. I don't know if you could find any stat out there that proves someone else even did that in this league. Yeah, that's why plus minus in the NBA is kind of pointless. No, do not bring that up to D-Ray. I'll make sure I put that in the back of my head that you just said that. Because I disagree. I don't think it's pointless. There's a reason why it's there. It's like plus minus well, There's a reason why it's it there, but you're telling me that if a guy wins, a team wins a game, and a guy has a great game, but he happens to have a minus three on his stat Part of his yeah, stat that, line that to hold it against him? Yeah, it matters. I think when you look at plus minus in basketball, it's about the outlier. So if everyone's around plus three, plus three, plus four, plus five, and then someone on the team is plus 15, it's like, okay, that you can value. Or if someone's plus two, plus three, plus five, plus six, and someone's minus 14, then I value it. You know what I mean? Like, if it's in the mix of everybody but else. See, you're using double-digit numbers. I used, I used minus two for a reason. Well, it, I, it, I need context. I need to see the game. That's it, what I'm it, saying. It's, it, to me, it kind of is useless because, if a, for example, if a guy goes like, – there have been games, for example, that LeBron James goes out of a triple-double, his team wins, but he has a minus on his stat line. So he's minus three, but his team won. Well, I need to see how the game plays out. That's my that's, point. It's like, like, context matters. In, yeah. you, you can't just look at the stat and be like, oh, he was minus two. He had a bad game. Like, plus a minus in hockey is way different to me because hockey doesn't have as much scoring. So if you're on the ice and the other team is constantly scoring, that's a problem. If you win a game, you know, 99-98, and you had a triple-double and you had the game-winning shot for your team, but you have the minus three on your stat line – I'm not holding that against you. I'd have to see context. I think plus minus is valuable with players. There's a reason why it's out there. It shows you how the team is playing when you were out there on the floor. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not rolling with that 100. All right. Well, we might I, have I, I to think, agree to disagree. I here. think all stats have values in different areas, and I think that some stats are used a little bit too much to make people's points. No, see, there's a reason why it's there. It shows whether you well, are... there's a reason why every stat is there. Right. You want to go through every analytics number and explain that one, too? <laughs> well, no, that's why, like, when we had the whole exit velocity conversation the other day, oh, it's useless because if you hit the ball hard and it goes to the shortstop, it doesn't matter. Well, in that specific scenario, sure, I get where you're saying it doesn't matter because it's an out anyway, but if you're telling me that that specific individual who is up at the plate is hitting the baseball hard and timing the pitcher very well, if you consistently do that, you will see long-term success. Right, and I, and I understand that, and I agree with that. But you can't use exit velocity as a balance, for example, if a guy has a bad batting average. You know, the guy could be hitting 200, but he could be one of the best in the league at exit velocity. It doesn't make the fact that he can't hit, you know, he's not getting on base any better. He's not hitting with runners in scoring position any better. There, like you said, context. I think every stat has a level of value, but sometimes when we're making our sports arguments or we're listening to other people make their sports arguments, people will find a stat to support their argument instead of letting the facts and information dictate their opinions. Well, here's a stat for you. Carter Hart last night had 49 saves in double overtime, and we, we can't get too sidetracked. The Flyers just literally won in double overtime, 5-4, to four, 
force a game seven, seven. Kevin Hayes was tremendous in this game to find Provorov, knowing that the defenseman broke his stick on the play. You need to have the IQ to know where you can put the biscuit at. As he's going behind the net, he throws it towards the slot. Here's Provorov with some poise. Raffles net front, and there you go. Here's one thing you got to realize with this team. They haven't produced a lot of shots. They weren't able to, to get a lot of offensive production, yet when you look at how they scored, the first goal, Robert Haig, he creates the turnover, he ends up passing it to TK, TK goes to Hayes, and Robert Haig goes to the net. He goes to the net. Raffle goes to the net. Raffle goes to the net again in the overtime goal. Let's go to the net. Instead of when they're on the power play, they're looking, 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 Drew has it, he's trying to pass it down low. Stop all that crap. We got to find a way to create more offense. So when this team's on the power play and they're not shooting enough, it literally blows my mind. I mean, it really is embarrassing how they move the puck around on this power play. They need to find ways to get the puck to the net and get bodies to the net. How much of that, like, is that is it on the players, on the coaching staff? Like, who is that issue on, though, from someone who has played the game of hockey? Well, their assistant coach, Michelle Terrian, is the one that's involved with the power play. So, and you can see him, too, when they go to the bench. He is talking to the team, so he is setting it up. But, I mean, you got to think at some point, they have, what, four goals and over 40-something attempts on the peeper? You can't continue to do the same thing. In, the peeper? Yeah, the peeper. That's what it's called, the power play. It's the peeper. Why don't, what? Yeah, it's called the peeper. I've never heard that in my life. Yeah, it's a thing. I, I understand it's a thing. Yeah. But why the peeper? I don't know. It's just what it's called. I it's, mean, that's definitely it's a, like... It's a power play. Yeah, but it's called the peeper. It's more of like the hockey slang. It's not like an outsider that, that isn't a big hockey guy uses that term. But it's a, it's a hockey slang. Is that it's like, really, hey, we're going on the peeper. Like, that's 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 deep slang, though. I feel like that's like... I've never heard that in my life. Yeah, it's not deep slang. It's standard slang. It's standard for you. What do you mean? Like, if, all right, if I'm about to make fun of somebody on the ice, right? That's a chirp. Like, Travis Konechny out there. He chirps all the time. I've heard that before. Okay. Numerous this is, times. This is equivalent to the chirp, but we are now talking about the power play. It's the peeper. You got the man advantage. You're going on the peeper. Hold on. I'm going to put up a, a poll question, and I'm going to ask people if they've ever heard of the peeper. Okay. I don't even know how you spell it, but I'm going well, to put it out Probably P-E-E-P-E-R. Right? I mean, it's going on the peeper. But anyway, if you're out there on the ice on this said peeper, and it's not working, you're not getting any chances, you would think as players, as veteran players, People who have been been around this league for quite some time would understand, hey, let's get pucks up to the point, let's walk the blue line, let's take away Varlamov's eyes, and let's keep firing. Because it's not as if Varlamov had a fantastic game by any means. He had a terrible game. That goal by JVR, it should have never went in. You had Barry Trotz actually think about pulling him. You saw the camera cut to him. It's 2 nothing. It's in the first period, and Barry Trotz is questioning, should I pull Varlamov right now? And he ended up staying with him. So once you already see that this goalie doesn't have it, I can't believe they didn't simplify the offense. That's interesting. You said simplify the offense. 
Is that a flaw in Elaine Vigneault's style or his coach's style that he refuses to simplify things? Well, no, because I do think this Islanders team doesn't make it easy. They suffocate the neutral zone. It's hard to get those rushes. You don't really get a lot of odd man rushes. But sometimes your sports simplifying things opens up other opportunities because you're less of a slave to the system and you give give open end for more creativity. Well, here's the thing I'll, I'll say about it. It's... I scream, let's put pucks on net, but, you know, there is a level to it. If you're just constantly throwing pucks at all these weird angles, like, sometimes it's not great to just throw every single shot ever on the net because these are NHL goalies, and if it's not a, you know, these are NHL goalies. So throwing every puck ever on net isn't the solution, but I do think that they do need to to find a way. But we talk about this all the time, whether it's NBA coaches, NHL coaches, NFL coaches, the players need to execute. So when Claude Giroux is skating down the left side of the wall, he knows what to do. He knows what the best play is, you know? It's not Elaine Vigneault saying, hey, Claude Giroux, do this when you come down the wall. This is Claude Giroux we're talking about. This is Jake Voracek. These guys have been playing in the league. When you see an odd man rush, when you see one of your teammates, you it, the game's happening so fast. You see a teammate, he's going back door. Maybe you rim the puck around, he meets it on the other side. It's so instinct-related that you need to know as a player how to simplify the game yourself in these moments. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open, 609-403. 0973. Uh, the poll question is going live momentarily. Have you ever heard a power play called a peeper? I put a little explanation in there along with it for those who maybe not have heard it earlier, but apparently a power play in hockey slang is called a peeper. And you just asked, is the PK called a peeker? Well, now you're just going the over. peeper. Yeah, I he see- said peeper. Oh, somebody tweeted it. <laughs> this isn't you who said it. If the PP is called the peeper, is the PK called the peeker? And that's from Angela. No, no, it's not. It's not called that. It's called yeah, that the- wasn't my question. My question says, I'll read it for I said, so, at Bros81, calls to power play in hockey, the peeper. At Josh Hennig has never heard of an NHL power play called this. Flyers fans, have you ever heard someone call it the peeper? Now, here's yes the problem. Yes or no? If I retweet this, 99% of my following has probably heard this. Should I stick away from the retweet then? No, because we can criticize it either way. Okay. Well, I know that there's a ton of my teammates. That's all we called it. You know why? I wasn't on it, Josh. That's why. Hey, we're going with peep. You know, we got the peeper out there. I know where I'm going. I'm sitting my ass on the bench watching because that wasn't my cup of tea. I wasn't on the power play. I could probably be on this power play, though. It's terrible, Josh. It's terrible. I can't believe So how do we fix it? Can we fix it? The fix... Get it to the blue line and rip shots on that. That's the fix right now because what they're doing is not working. We stated from the jump that this was going to be the death of this team. This is going to be the death of this team. If they can't score on special teams, it's going to be a problem. It's bad when your penalty kill creates more opportunities than your power play. They're not even getting shots on net at all. I mean, seriously, there are games where they get three power play opportunities, yet they finish the game with zero shots on net on those power plays. It can't happen. I can't believe that it's not to the point where they just get it to Provorov, crash the net, 
try and get some tips. You saw JVR with a nice tip in front, almost had the rebound at one point. It, it's so easy to go down that road, yet here they are. Look, they won the game. They won the game, and I still feel so pissed off about certain moments in their play. Well, look, the, the fact that you can't get any power play goals is an embarrassment. Like, at some point, you, you, you have the advantage. This is worse, to put it into context. This is worse than what the Phillies' bullpen was before they made the moves. By far. I don't even think it's close. The Phillies' bullpen was historically bad. This is way worse than that. And it's hard to be way worse than the Austin Davises of the world, Guerra, Cole Irvin, you name it. All that slop we used to pull out of the bullpen every single day. This is by far worse, and it's in the playoffs. You're right. When when I said, how is this happening? I'm confused. The answer, it's Carter Hart. Yeah, he Carter Hart is the guy. Why they're winning these games. And by the way, some of the other guys did have good games last night. You mentioned Kevin Hayes. I feel like it's now, what, four or five goals now that they've scored on the right side of Varlamov? Like, is that like his, like, kryptonite? Like, is that like his weakness, that that right arm shoulder area? Because Kevin Hayes now has scored three times himself on that side of Varlamov. And then two other Flyers have also scored. Like the, And, and then I feel like Varlamov overplayed the right side, which is why the JVR slap shot went in. Because he was like, oh, no, they're going to go to my right side again. And what happened? It went, the puck went left on him. I just think this is who Varlamov is. He's not some great elite goaltender. He's not a bad goalie either. He's your average NHL goalie. And the reason why, you know, he has success, and I think you're going to see Grice play in Game 7, by the way. I think he's the goalie they're going to go with. And they both split that some makes time. Sense, yeah, they both split some time throughout the, the entire season for this Islanders team. But when you play that well defensively, you're going to look better statistically as a netminder, and I think that that's what has happened with Varlamov this year. Well, the other problem with Varlamov is, you know, the Flyers, as we mentioned, they had half the shots, but they beat them. At one point, they had three goals on ten shots. Right. So what you're basically telling me is that Carter Hart is stopping a much higher percentage of the pucks on net than Varlamov is, and if I'm trots, I'm saying I, I got to get, get, get Grice in there. I don't want to see Grice in there because I think Varlamov is a little bit more vulnerable at this point. But if you're the Islanders, the smart move is to put Grice in there. I don't even think it's a question. I think it's a no-brainer. When you saw Barry Trotz's face after that JVR goal, I was shocked he didn't do it in that moment. Really, I thought that it, it was an automatic move. Hey, Varlamov, you're out of here. And for him to think about it so quickly into the game, it's just telling on what type of leash that he had. That JVR goal, first off, when the hell has JVR ever just wind up a clap bomb coming into the zone like that? I don't even know if I've ever seen it ever. And I, then he ends up beating him on that side. It should have never went in. It's what I told you yesterday. Guys like JVR are forcing themselves into the flow of this game because they realize the game is no longer coming to them. These veterans are realizing what's going on in this series. The Islanders have dictated the pace so much. It's like when you face a team that plays full-court press, if you're playing college basketball, right? You know, Back in the day, it was the Arkansas teams with Nolan Richardson, the 40 minutes of hell with the full-court press. How do you stop that situation from beating you? you got to force your will on the opponent. So you got to do things that are maybe outside of your comfort zone. And obviously, 
the wind it up and slap it isn't part of JVR's usual repertoire, but I think he even realized that my usual work is not working. Like, look at Voracek. Voracek's a man possessed the last few games. I would never qualify Voracek as a as a banger, right? But he's banging. You know why? Because he's saying, I have to force myself onto the flow of this game. And I think that's where veteran leadership is so important because Giroux and Voracek and JVR and all these guys, they're saying, Niskanen, for example, they're saying, the game is no longer coming to us. We got to take the reins back of the game. I've been screaming for JVR to be in this lineup, playing with the top six guys for a little bit now, and it seems as soon as Elaine Vigneault made that decision, he had the big two-on-one goal, and then he had a big goal yesterday. I didn't understand why he was playing with bottom six guys. I get Elaine Vigneault tries to get the most out of guys, and maybe he puts him there to make a statement to wake him up a bit or light a fire underneath of them, but at some point... JVR deserves to play with with top guys because it brings the most out of him. He needs a little bit of help, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. He needs some help. He needs to play with better talent. And when he does, you see what type of offense he can create. And I want to bring something up to you, though, about Travis Konechny because he's clearly an emotional guy out there. But I'll be honest, it pisses me off to a degree. When he's slamming his stick against the boards and slamming his stick against the glass in frustration... He's an emotional guy. I get it. I was that player. I was the guy that was emotional and that that helped spark the club and helped spark the guys in the room. But when you're doing it negatively and you're showing your frustration like that, I don't think it's a good look. And and honestly, I can't stand it. It doesn't bother me one bit. And here's why. Because I'd rather you have emotion than not. Like I'd rather have to talk you into reeling it back in a little bit and not getting too carried away then be like, where's the passion? Where's the emotion? All right, let me ask you this then. If Joel Embiid, after a game, is really disappointed, his shoulders are low, he's moping back to the bench because he's upset with himself, I don't think you'd be saying the same thing. This is equivalent to No, because to me it's not. Why? Because Joel Embiid is is self-pitying. Travis Konecti is mad. There's a difference between wallowing in self-misery and anger. If Joel Embiid... After a poor performance, let's say he has 12 points in a game. He's upset with himself. He took 15 shot attempts, 16, 17 shot attempts, 12 points. He goes to the bench and he kicks a chair over and then punches another chair on the way back to the locker room. Frustrated. Mad at himself. Yeah. You're okay with that one. I'm more okay with that than the slumped shoulders, towel over the head, miserable in the corner I of the bet bench. you the next day you rip Joel Embiid for his immaturity. No, because what I would do is if I'm a coach, I would turn to the guy who's breaking the stick over the boards or kicking the chair and say, I like the passion, I just need you to re-channel it into something more productive. If the guy's sitting on the bench and moping and miserable, shoulders slouched, towel over the head, I'm turning to be like... I don't know what to do with you. Like, are you okay? Are you uh, emotionally okay? Are you are you just frustrated? Like, you're you're kind of like burying your emotion inside of you, and you're eventually going to be a volcano like Embiid was when he ripped the reporter for asking a val- a, a, a valid question. See, I like Travis Konechny's emotional side. Like I said, that was something that I did throughout my career. I was that spark plug. I was the energy guy. Where. You know, there's certain players out there on the ice when they do certain things, it it brings a different type of feel to the team. But when you're so upset, I think it can turn into a different road. And you're on the verge of that. Now, he had a really nice assist to start the game off to Kevin Hayes. And 
He had he created other chances, specifically that one in overtime where uh, it was Raffle, Konechny, and Hayes. The puck was an inch away from going over the goal line. You had four Islanders in the crease. That was another good one, but he can't score, and you can see how much it's killing him inside. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open, 609-403-0973. We got a little giveaway for you folks today. Every texter today to the Sports Bash today on Friday only. So with me and Broads today, 2-6, to six, everyone is qualified for a chance to win a four-pack of tickets. This is the Atlantic City in-water boat show September 10th through the 13th at the Farley State Marina at Golden Nugget Casino Hotel. You can bring the family, kids under 12 get in for free. They got new 2021 models, exclusive boat show deals, and more. You want to win some tickets? A four-pack, something to do next weekend? You know, after Labor Day weekend when things, you know, a little bit more calm, a little bit. You could do it. Right here. 609-403-0973. Every texter is qualified to win a four-pack of tickets for the Atlantic City Boat Show September 10th through the 13th. Hunter Birdie, I'm Josh Hennig. Sports Bash filling in for Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Kevin Durstel will join us to talk more Flyers hockey coming up at 3.15. Football at 4. Andrew Zacheco joins us. We are one day away. We are actually about 26 hours from the Eagles releasing their final 53-man roster. We'll get the latest coming up at Football at 4. Powered by the Inside of Earth podcast with Andrew Zacheco. Plus, it's a happy hour Friday. Ask Bros and Josh at 4.30. And the PT joins us. At 5.30. We never stop talking Eagles and NFL. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bash along with Hunter Brody, 97.3 ESPN. Sports Bash being brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Send a big thank you to New Jersey farmers for all the hard work that goes into providing fresh produce by buying Jersey Fresh. Stay loyal to local this Labor Day weekend by Jersey Fresh Produce. So how do you feel about Game 7? Well, I'm excited, obviously. Do you feel good, though, that this team can can do it? Frank, Frankly, I'm still so emotionally raw from last night. I don't know if I fully come off of it because I think I fell asleep last night just by pure exhaustion. What time do you think you fell asleep? Oh, I was like 2 a.m. in the morning. 2 a.m.? Yeah. Did you watch any of the condensed games? No, but what I I so here's what happened for me. I I finished watching the Flyers game. Like cuz I was so immersed in it, I was barely paying attention to the NBA. But I was like, "All right, now I'm going to flip my attention to the NBA." But then more and more the one game just got so out of hand last night. Clippers. That Clippers Nuggets game. Boring. I just turned it off. So boring. I couldn't finish watching it. So the next thing I did was I, I flipped over to the next hockey game, right? And then I was kind of like going back and forth between that, NHL Network, Sports Center, uh, Inside College Football and CBS Sports, you know, just kind of like bouncing all over the place. You know, MLB Network had Diamondbacks. I forget who it was last night. So like I kind of went back to my normal routine at that point. And then it was like 1.30. I was like, oh, it's getting late, right? And then it was almost 2 a.m., and I was like, all right. I turned off TV, and I was like, ow. I want to know how you handled the end of the Phillies game, the Boston Celtics-Toronto Raptors game, and the Flyers game. How did you handle that in your household? 
So the Phillies game, the Phillies game kind of led me up to the Flyers. Yeah, it was almost right was around, almost the, same around the same time. Yeah. So for me, Alec Bohm hit the shot, and I was like, "Oh, look what time it is!" Flyers. And then the the Celtics Raptors game was definitely secondary at that point. Like it was definitely on the back burner. Um, I did flip over to. The Southern Miss game to watch Frank Gore Jr. run a little bit. Come on. During the Flyers intermission. Come on. Yeah. You're lying. It's all, come on. Southern Miss. I didn't even know college football was on yesterday. Yeah. Even We even talked about it. Because remember, I said, oh, are you even going to watch this game? I was just looking at the random schedule. And I didn't, I didn't even think about it once. Well, here's what happened. I saw someone tweet about Frank Gore Jr.'s playing in this game. And I was like, Flyers intermission. Oh, it's also pretty much halftime in the Celtics-Raptors game. Flip over. Was like, I don't think. I think it was like ESPNU. Seeing that name would ever make me hit the clicker to go over to a different channel. What's a name that? that would make you hit the clicker? No one on any of those teams playing. There's no player in college football yeah, that but would it... ever make you be like, Flyers are at intermission, the NBA playoffs are at halftime, I'll go check this guy out. They wouldn't be playing on South Alabama or any of these other schools that nobody cares about. Southern Miss. Whatever. Any of these schools. Quez Watkins went there. Yeah, you know what? Come on. Who was watching Quez Watkins before the the Eagles took him? Me and DeCecco. Yeah, well, I understand DeCecco doing it. That's part of his job. I understand these guys checking in on these prospects. That's what they do. Quez Watkins, I don't give a damn about his college career. And then he's the name that you see as an eagle. Oh, he's intriguing. You, most people don't, can have no clue who Quez Watkins is before the Eagles pick him. That's I'm reality. not most people. I'm a loser. You, I spend all my no, time. See, you don't have to go down that road of saying you're a loser because you know who he is. It's just, it's unique. That's all. Okay, I'm unique. Yeah, you're unique when it comes to college football. A little too much for me. You know, I'm not diving into this, this South Alabama. I'm just not watching it. It's Southern Miss. You heard me. You know what I mean. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, anyway, going to Game 7. Here's the thing. The pressure is all on the New York Islanders, is it not? Or can you say, look, there is pressure on the Flyers. They came in as the one seed. They should have been able to win this series in more than seven. Or or they should have looked better than they have to this point. I'm leaning toward the first point you said, which is the I think the pressure's on the Islanders because I think the Islanders are a team that had the series in hand. They were the ones up 3-1. They're the ones with the Stanley Cup winning head coach, right? They're the ones who are supposed to have the, you know, the you know, the Barzal and the you know, Eberly and these guys who are supposed to give the Flyers fits, right? They're the ones who were put the Flyers in a position to have to fight to come back. Frankly, I don't know if Oscar Limblom plays in the game last night if the Flyers weren't initially down 3-1, right? You know, I think that a lot of this falls down on the Islanders because guess what? The Flyers have counterpunched you not once, but twice. And now it's on you to make the adjustment. You know, remember I telling you about the fight game, right? If you're watching a UFC fight, like when you watch the Masvidal-Uzman fight, remember you were saying how... Uzman kept stomping on his feet and pressuring him up the fence. And you were waiting for Masvidal to make adjustments, and he never did, right? Well, I feel like that's where the Islanders are almost. In the first in the first part of the fight, Usman and Masvidal were swinging at each other, right? They were going blow for blow. They were kind of measuring each other. And then Usman said, I can just get all physical with you. 
Well, the Flyers came up with their own quote-unquote answer to the Islanders by beating them twice now. Now, it's on the Islanders, who in this case is Masvidal, to make an adjustment or they're going to lose by decision. You mentioned Oscar Lindblom sliding into the lineup. How do we dare not mention Sean Couturier's name by now? He wasn't even in the game. This is your top center. The guy who's arguably one of the... He's not arguably. He is. That's why he's running for the Selkie at the top of the league at the two-way center position. And he's not even in the game. And it wasn't as if he's been stellar, insanely shut down. We haven't seen the best Sean Couturier to this point. But no, still, but losing I, him is important. It's important. And I think the one uh, Barzal goal wouldn't have happened if he was in the game. Which one was that? Well, when Travis Sanheim got stripped behind the net, how did that even happen? I don't know. And this te- this is what scared me. I even tweeted this out at the time. I thought that was the dagger because the Islanders are so good in the third period. Yeah. And it was a 3-3 three to three game at that point, and you get stripped with 29.2 seconds left by Broussard, and Barzell picks the puck up and scores uh. instantly. Knowing how good the Islanders were... I, in that third period, I don't get how you can even allow for that to happen. I thought there were multiple times that either Broussard or Barzal were wide open in space. And I just felt like if Couturier was out there, they might not have had so many times to be available in space. That line is crazy. It's Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, Barzal. Like, the way they fly around the ice and zip around the offensive well, The weird zone. thing is there's sometimes that it's not Eberle and it's Broussard in there. And you're like... Where's Eberle? You know, and then you find out he's on the next line. That line. Trot, trots like to, like, 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 you know, last second shift things around. Like, if you, like, you're you're a hockey guy. Like, you ever sit there and watch the bench a little bit? And you notice, like, Trotz is, like, pacing up and down by, like, Vigneault is very, like, you know, he kind of stays in one spot on the bench. You ever notice that? He doesn't really move too much. He kind of lets, he talks to the assistant coaches and let them move around and talk to the guys. Whereas Trotz will be, like, Tap a guy on the shoulder and be like, you're next. You know, like, he'll let a guy know directly. Well, he sure had a smile after the game. Once they scored that goal, he sure had a smile on his face afterwards. I wonder what's going to happen in... Vigneault gave you a little bit of a fist he bump He did there. give a fist bump. He did. I, I wonder what's going to happen in Game 7 when it comes to Sean Couturier. I would imagine if he can't do it to... Like, if he can't play in Game 6 with the backs against the wall... How is he going to be able to play in Game 7? I don't know. Would a couple of days give him enough chance, enough rest? I hope. He's played before with a banged up, banged up Well, he had, the torn, he had a torn knee the one series. Yeah, and he did great. He played yeah. better than he did when he was healthy, it seemed. Maybe, maybe he needs to be back out there because maybe he plays better than injured. This is incredible. I mean, I'm just trying to... Put myself back in that moment yesterday when they scored Ivan Provorov. Oh, it was so awesome. How about Claude Giroux's assist that passed to Scott Lawton on the breakaway? And Scott Lawton with a dirty move to go top shelf where Mama hides the peanut butter to tie the game up in the third. Oh, I was fist pumping, screaming by myself. Dog starts barking, then I start screaming, shut up up there. You know? (laughs) Incredible moment. You want to get some texts? Sure. PlaySugarHouse.com text board, 609-403-0973. Flyers game seven tomorrow night. Phillies get another win yesterday in extra innings. So extra inning Phillies, double overtime for the Flyers. NBA playoffs, whatever's on your mind on this happy hour Friday, 609-403-0973. Keith says, hey, Josh, I thought a peeper was someone trying to peep on a naked person. I'm sure it could be that too, right? I mean, that could get you in trouble. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, that can get you in some trouble. The little peephole. Let's I'm, not go down that road. That, I, that I'm road. Just, I'm just glad I wasn't the only one who kind of was like, wait, what? Oh, so when I said that originally, that's where your mind went. I was confused where you were going in general. You just had no clue. I had no clue. Well, clearly, because you shut down the entire conversation. Yeah. Because I had no clue what you were talking about. I want to get Kevin Durso's opinion on this at 315. Listen. Because maybe I'm so dialed in. I mentioned, so I looked it up just so I can have some context for the people. Right, I tweeted right. it out. It's a hockey talk website, and there was something right underneath Peeper that said pizza. Because to me, I, I know what a pizza is. Scott Lawton threw a couple pizza deliveries right up the middle throughout this series. To me, it's easy to turn over in the slot. If I said that to you, which I'm pretty sure I said on the air, maybe Mike Gill was in that day, though. And, and I was saying, oh, I threw a couple pizza deliveries right up the middle. Like, you, you would know what that is, right? I've heard of that term. you heard of that term. Yes. But the peeper you're out on. Never heard that before. All right, well, we'll get the opinion of Kevin Durso. Nick from Bradenstein chimes in. He saw, we talked about Travis connecting earlier. He says, as a hockey player, when I played, when I got frustrated, I would go out the next shift and hit someone as hard as I can cleanly and just lay them out to feel better about myself. Here's the problem with that, though. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I think that that's a great way to get that energy out of you, get that frustration out of you. But Travis Konechny's a small guy. And that's not to say that he can't throw hits. You see him pesty. He chirps. You saw the, the clip of him yesterday showing the teeth off, right? He was trying to show that he was pretty much chirping somebody's teeth there. I don't know if he has the ability to go out and, and really crush somebody like that when, you know, these guys are bigger Find than Find a guy similar sized. Yeah, the problem is he can't catch them. Is he going to catch Barzell? <laughs> I don't know who can. Right? Probably not. But right. Is it, anybody else? <laughs> no, nah, there's guys out there. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that that's a bad philosophy, but it's not as if he's Chris Prong. If Chris Pronger's mad at himself, he's going to go out there and kill somebody. You know, if, if right. Robert Haig's mad, he's going to find a way to hit somebody. Is it Chara? Yeah, well, the problem is he's 49, 53 years old. He can still bang. Yeah, I don't know if he's got any more years left in the tank. He had a hell of a career. Isn't he? I, it hasn't been confirmed. It's okay. just the speculation of is he going to, and now everybody's I mean, waiting I, to see. I saw him throw a hit in this playoffs, and I was like, there's there's, there's old Z. Well, last year, too, he played with the banged-up jaw. He had a broken jaw. And, and the whole, like, shield mask, special mask I on. think with the jaw, I don't even know if they go mask. They might just go chin like they bring the the chin down and like hold it in place, right? But they keep the mouth open. They don't go full bubble. That makes sense. By the way, Nick from Nick from Brigantine also chimes in and says Islanders are done after two overtime losses to the Flyers. The reason why I think the Islanders have a chance, obviously both teams have a chance, but it's pretty clear the Islanders have been a better team, right? The Flyers have won games, and it shows grit. It's not easy to do what they did. You look at yesterday's game, sure, frustrating, but to go double overtime with the Islanders, you did good things as well, obviously. But they've been the better team. So if the Islanders play this way again, will the hockey gods be on their side? Because, well, let's be real. The way they play deserve the win more so than the Flyers over this entire series. Nah, I'm not buying that one. You're not buying that? No. Nah. You think the Flyers played better than the Islanders this year? No, I'm not buying into the hockey gods are favoring one over the other. No, but I'm saying if you play the way that you're supposed to, which the Islanders have played the way that they're supposed to, the hockey gods work it out. Yeah, but why did Carter Hart stop so many shots then? Well, because he's good. Right, so maybe maybe the, the, maybe the light is shining on him instead of the Islanders. If this game played out seven times, the same exact game, where there's 54 shots to 30, more times than not, the Islanders are winning that game. 
Maybe. But this is the thing. It only takes one. One more. It's game seven. It's game seven. So it just has to happen one more time. Call Jenkins for heating and air conditioning installation service and maintenance plumbing or drain cleaning. 609-641-6440 or visit them on JenkinsPlumbingAndHeating.com. We'll talk more hockey coming up with Kevin Durso, 315-973-ESPN. PlaySugarHouse.com text board is open. Every texter today. Wrapping up the first hour, happy hour Friday here on 97.3 ESPN. You know, it's really interesting because we actually get a day to breathe in between these games. And I feel like win or lose for the Phillies tonight, I can enjoy it a little bit more. And I feel like I can enjoy the rest of the basketball a little bit more tonight. And it gets me mentally ready for the weekend. I like it. I don't know if I can watch anything right now without thinking about what happened. So last night, and on the website 97.3 ESPN, I put my sports talk with Broge reactions for my YouTube channel. I had to talk Phillies last night. You're telling me I had to talk Phillies after that Flyers game? Now I did it, but it's hard to do that. So don't get me wrong, you know me, I'm going to be all into every pitch tonight against the Mets, but every pitch I'll be thinking about Ivan Provorov. I might even watch the highlights after every pitch on my phone. Interesting. Yeah, just the one-minute clip of Ivan Provorov scoring in the celebration after I mean, every pitch. I don't hate it. I just, I mean, I'm I'm excited for the Flyers, but I'm not thinking about it all the time. I haven't slept yet. You haven't slept at all? Nope. That's dangerous. Yeah, it's actually a lie. I told you I fell asleep at 4 o'clock when we talked about it earlier in the show. <laughs> Kevin Durser joins us at 3.15 to talk more Flyers hockey.